Hispanic Freedom Center. Good to see everybody. Isn't this fun? I get to spin for the next 30 minutes. It's cool. Good to be me. Uh, let's get right to the word. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. You guys got your Bible? Say amen. You got your iPad? Say amen. You got your iPhone? Say amen. If you didn't have enough money for an iPhone and you bought a Google product, say amen. Good. All right. I got you. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 in the King James Bible says this. It says, where there's no vision, and that vision is singular, where there's no vision, everybody put up one finger, where there's no vision, the people, now the people is plural, where there's no vision, the people perish. In the NIV it says this, where there's no revelation, again, that word revelation is singular, the people, again, plural, they cast off restraint. See, that, that doesn't sound like it's the same. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Where there's no revelation, they cast off restraint. And so what we have is the, the WKJV, the, the weird King Jim version, where I put kind of the original language into picture language. And so this is not an authorized version. Does that make sense? You're listening to me online. This is not an author. This is me reading the, the, the Bible and then concordances and so forth. But I, when I look at Proverbs 29, 18, the picture that those words paint for me says this. When a people's vision isn't God's vision, when a people's vision isn't God's vision, they waste their lives running in circles after lesser goals and lesser gods apart from true blessing, never achieving the purpose of their creation. In the end, it's as if they never lived. In the end, it's like, it just didn't matter. They just sucked air. They just drank water. They just ate food. But they, it never became, their life never became what it could have been. So we've talked about last week, we're going to talk about it again this week, that God has blessed us with purpose. Everybody say purpose. And you said it on purpose. And that purpose is a gift. It's not, this is not a burden. This doesn't weigh, I, how many of you guys know if this is Christmas morning and I had this in my hand, it would be a good day. I would shake it, I would smell it, I would make sure it wasn't crying or scratching from the inside. How many know what I'm talking about? It's that, it's that size. But it's a gift. No more a burden than when God gave Adam the Garden of Eden. Like, go tend this, go work this. It's like, oh, man, i got to be your yard boy? Like, no, there was something really satisfying about taking what God had given him and doing something with it. And in the same way, uh, when he brings him Eve, he's like, oh, great, i got to mow your grass and babysit your daughter? Like, that's not Adam's goal. He's saying, listen, I, I love this. I get, I get partnership. Now, there was responsibilities in that gift, but it was a gift. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? When God showed up in the cool of the day, every day, and, and they took that walk where they kind of held hands and they talked about the day. And what would you do today, son? He goes, well, I, I saw this really long-necked animal and I named it a giraffe. He's like, that's awesome. So it shall be a giraffe. What about you, Eve? What would you do today? Because I just, I just admired how good-looking my husband is. How many know that women do that? It's just wonderful. Amen. Thank you. So um, my wife didn't raise her hand, but I'm glad you did, Cheryl. That's great. She's busy doing other things. <laughs> but I'm telling you, these weren't burdens. The wife, the garden, the time. It wasn't a burden. These were blessings. Now, we talked about in the blessing of purpose, there's some things that are actually inside the blessing. We talked about the blessing of vision, the ability to see farther down the road than, than you can naturally see. To take these things, these are, these are shooting glasses. So these begin to focus at about half a mile. You can't look at anything closer than a half a mile and see. This is for look, trying to find a bullet hole and something three-quarters of a mile away or a mile away. So these can see way, way, way down the road. And in the same way, God gives us this superpower, this ability, where we can envision a tomorrow that is different from today. We can see it, and we can start heading towards it. Today we're going to talk about another piece of what's in this, and that is our GPS. Um, let's just do something real fun for a second real quick. Let's figure it out. Hey, Siri, what's the best church in Fenton, Michigan? 
is the Wesleyan Church on Wayne Street in Traverse City. Which... <laughs> All right, let's try that again. Let's try that again. Let's try that again. <laughs> uh, hey, Siri. Let's just do this. Hey, Siri. Never mind. I don't even like you anymore. Let's ask this one. How, how many guys would love to get in the car right now? How many guys like car trips? Like a thumb drive, right? Just get in the car and go up into the thumb of Michigan and look at the trees. Like, what, what, would, what would the, where would you guys want to go today if you go anywhere? Somebody just say. You have to drive there. You can't say Hawaii. Ludington. All right. Hey, Siri. Directions, Ludington, Michigan. And the Wesleyan Church is the best church in town. It's there. Right. Okay. So you can't see it, but on my map, I can see that it's giving me options. There's, there's different ways to get to the same place. How many guys get that? There's not just one way to get to Ludington, Michigan. You can go up to West Branch and turn left. You go up to Traverse City and turn around. You, you can go up to the Upper Peninsula, and, and they'll never find your body. But you can you go anywhere you want. So, but the, the point is this. The GPS, the Global Positioning System, it leads us. It, it tells us we, we've, we've got this gift of purpose. We've got this ability to see where we want to go. But we need, a, we need more than just a vision of where we want to go. We need a plan to get there. Come on, somebody say amen. This is important. If, if you know where you want to go, but you don't know how to get there, you should be frustrated. You should be like, man, I, it's just 10 more pounds and I can't seem to lift it. I can't seem to lose it. I can't seem to move it. I, I can't, like, it's, it's just 10 more miles, 10 more minutes. I can't seem to figure it out. I know I want to retire someday. I know I want to build a business. I know I want to be in ministry. I have this in my heart. I know that it's God's purpose for my life and I can't seem to find a way to get from where I am to where we're going. So I need you to understand something. That the same thing that's true in your life is the same thing that's true when we come together. That without, without a vision, the people... The, the, the family it can be, the business it can be, the nation it can be, but certainly the congregation can be lost. It loses its way. So I want you to know this. The assignment God gives a people can be unique, and I hope you get that because we have a unique assignment. <laughs> we, I, I don't know. Um, there was a day when we were unlike any other church that I knew. And how many of us know the difference between a revolutionary and a, and a, a rebellion is who wins the war and gets to write the book later? Right? We're, this is the, this is the, we had the American Revolution. It wasn't the American Rebellion. Why? Because we won. Ask a Brit. He knows. We won, so we got to say it was a revolution. And in the same way, when we were like wearing jeans to church and giving away go-karts and children's ministry was separate from adult ministry, when we got rid of the pews, when we got rid of the handles and we started singing off the wall, I mean, that, that caused a stink. People were like, ah, you know, well, if we were to compromise, we could grow too. And, and I'm not trying to cause division. I'm simply saying this. We were following the vision God gave us. And our vision doesn't have to be like everybody's vision. As a matter of fact, it should be in some ways different, I think. Unity does not mean homogeneity. Uh, unity, being in unity doesn't mean being in uniformity. When we say church, we should be talking about a universal singular thing. But when we say churches, we should be talking about a million different expressions that express a portion of that one thing. Does that make sense? So we should have people that like have cornered the market in intercessory prayer and sacredness and worship. We should have people that, that sit in their pews and people that stand to their feet. We should have people that, that are really uptight about these things and work at them really hard and people that are really passionate about other things. There's nothing wrong with churches being in unity but not being in conformity. 
So I love being a part of a, a cooperative fellowship because they say whatever God's put on your heart versus the denomination that might say, hey, this is what you're supposed to talk about this week. And we can do that. If that's the expression that God has for that, that group, that's wonderful. But I'm glad that we have some freedom to talk about different stuff. So, so unity is evidence that there's something greater that brings us together than the things that keep us apart. Let me say that again because it, it kind of has other applications. Unity of vision means there's something greater that brings us together than the things that would keep us apart. There has to be something greater that holds us together than the things that make us different from each other and might drive us apart. Somebody say amen. This is a word for the day, not, not, just, a, not just a word for this season. There's something that brings us together, that brings our resource, that brings our faith that brings our, our physical bodies, that brings our actions into some sort of unity. We see something of greater value together than the things that might keep us from wanting to be together. It's very important. So here's the big question, and it's simply, simply this, and we'll get to this in a second, but how many of you guys know in the book of Revelation? He's, he doesn't say the same word to all seven churches. He changes it. The church in Antioch is very different from the church in Jerusalem, a Gentile, evangelistic, mission-sending church, and a very apostolic, miracle, Peter shadow-healing people church, and never once is there division between the leaders of those churches. Freedom Center Church and wherever, we celebrate wherever's vision. We do. How many guys know that we are not the totality of what God wants to do in our community? Certainly not the totality of what God wants to do in our state. Certainly not the totality of what God wants to do in our nation or the world. So different assignments and visions, they don't compete, they actually complete. So here's the big question is this. What is the assignment? What is the vision of this place? Now let me tell you this as, as, uh, as your friend. If I didn't know you and I ran into you today at a gas station, this would be what I want to talk to you about. Next week, we talk about why is greater than what, understanding our specific purpose, our role, our giftedness. If I were to run into you, if I sat next to you on a plane and I knew I had more than just a, a, a passing with you, that would be what I want to talk to you about. The next three weeks are the easiest weeks of my life as your pastor, in spite of, you know, things like pandemics and murder hornets. Uh, putting all those things aside, talking about this is all I want to talk about. You have to understand, when I teach on marriage, I really want to talk about vision. <laughs> but I have to talk about marriage because, you know, you guys are married, some of you. When I talk about, you know, these other things that are out there in politics, I, I, I have to talk about certain things, but when it was just me and you and you said, what do you want to talk about? I want to talk to you about winning the lost at any cost. It doesn't cost us our belief. That's the vision of my heart, and that's the vision of this church. Um, because that, that's our assignment, we have this little vision statement. You've heard it a thousand times. Say it with me, will you? Just so I know it's in your head. Our vision is this. It's to what? Win the at any that doesn't cost us our belief. You know the beauty of having a singular vision with a plurality of people? People say, you know what, man, when Y2K hit, what did you do as a church? I said, well, we won the lost at any cost. It didn't cost us our beliefs. I, I know, but after the world didn't blow up, we didn't go back to the 1800s. Uh, you know what? What did you do then? Well, we, we pivoted then to win the lost at any cost. that didn't cost us our beliefs. Times got pretty good after that. You know, there was the recession and, and uh, the economic boom and real estate values and up and down. And what you do during those years, and now that I'm an older pastor, don't you dare say amen, but I do get discounts on my coffee now. You can say amen to that. The younger guys, the 30-year-olds are saying, hey, how did you, we're in this first season. What did you do back in your day when they bombed Pearl Harbor? It's like, nope, too far. <laughs> Come back this way, you know. What'd you do? I said, well, we won the loss at any cost. It didn't cost us our beliefs. Well, how'd you do that? Understand this. If you were an entrepreneur and souls were dollars, you'd figure out a way to win those dollars, wouldn't you? We are entrepreneurial, visionary people. We just change the setting of the room because we like to change things. 
Because with a change of seating can come a change of perspective, can come a change of relationship, can come a change of your life. We believe in that. We like changing stuff. So the goal is, has always been to reach people where they are. We had some good old days. I, I won't kid you. I, the older I get, the more I'm tempted by nostalgia, the more I'm tempted by the good old days. We had things like blue jeans and Krispy Kreme Sunday. If you were here for blue jeans and Krispy Kreme Sunday, say amen. See, most of them died. That's how long ago this was. Not because they're old, because they really embraced the Krispy Kreme part of it. But we were trying to transition people. We had people saying, well, I'd go to your church, but I don't what? Anybody know? I don't have anything to wear. I don't have a suit. I don't have a dress. I, I don't have a tie. I, I would be embarrassed. When I, when I get the right clothes, then I'll come and be a part of your church. So we had to transition the church's thinking from it's, it's a formal occasion, it's a black tie event, to anybody and everybody is welcome and that our clothes should not be a barrier. Now, if you want to wear a suit, wear a suit. You want to wear shorts? You're an idiot because it's cold in here, man. Every Sunday we freeze you out for the sake of modesty. Amen. Nobody's immodest in this room. It's too cold. We wear sleeping bags. Hallelujah. But back in the day, right, we changed things. We, we actually, you know, those are out there, maybe most of our people are out there, the Bev Wheatleys and stuff. But remember this. There was, that, there was that season where we said, if you wear blue jeans, you get a free donut. Thus saith the pastor. Amen. We had matchbooks. Now, now this is kind of funny, but back in the day, you, and you may not even get this, but back in the day, people had some God consciousness, some awareness. We wouldn't have to lock the church doors. No one would think of breaking into a church. We, we didn't have to worry about what people thought. There was a God consciousness that just about everybody had. They'd gotten saved with their grandmother's VBS. They'd been prayed with when they were in the hospital when they had their child. But somewhere along the way, they'd met somebody, and they'd had some encounter with faith and with the faithfulness of God. It was just part of their vocabulary. So believe it or not, when people came to church, they came to church church to get right with God. I cannot tell you the number of times people walked in the door and say, what are you guys doing? Say, well, it's our first Sunday. Why are you here? I'm just looking for God. It still happens, but, it, but it's like one out of ten versus nine out of ten. Nine out of ten times when a visitor came to the church, it wasn't to kind of see what's going on or my friends go here. It's I'm coming to get right with God. And so what we would do is we would take matchbooks. You say, why would you have matches? Because, you know, because Christians don't smoke or chew or run with girls that do. They don't use hookahs. They don't, they don't use pipes of any sort. They don't tobacco in any form, right? So, we, we, you know, you use matches to start fires, generally fires that are on your face. And so we made matchbooks and put them in the local bars and restaurants. Back, this is going to blow you away, but phones used to have cords and restaurants used to have smoking sections. Boy, do I sound old today or what? I remember back in the good old days when we just, choking or non-choking, you could choose, you know. So we put the church's name, we put the, the times of the service, why? Because we wanted to be where people might be thinking about coming back to God. We, we had door-to-door uh, -to -door toilet paper distribution. How many guys know when you knock, there's a knock at the door and it's somebody there with a name tag on or a bicycle, you're kind of like, oh, here we go. But when a, when a neighbor is standing there with a roll of toilet paper, you'll have questions. Uh, what's going on? I was just thinking of you. <laughs> and I knew that sooner or later you're going to need this. So as a good neighbor, just wanted to give you a roll of toilet paper. When it comes to number two, you're, you're number one in my book. And, and if you ever need prayer for anything, you know, we got your back. I remember one time we took $20 bills and we got a printer that it's illegal, you know, to, to duplicate, to print money. It's, it's against the law. 
Uh, and before Xerox machines were really good at it, we had to go to a local printer. I won't say the name because he's still probably nervous about it. But we shortened the $20 bill to like two-thirds of its regular length. So, but when you folded it up, it looked like a $20 bill. So we'd take these things as tracks. we kind of like they're in our pocket. And we just throw them in front of doorways, <laughs> in front of schools. And when you opened it up, it said, are you disappointed? You won't be if you come to Fenton Assembly of God this Sunday <laughs> at 9 o'clock. We built a skateboard park. You know where that sign is right now? How many of you guys remember the vert wall that used to be there and the transition with the quarter pipe on either side of it and the blood stains and the chalk outlines where we found the bodies the next morning? We led more x-ray texts to Jesus during that season. Neurological disorders were on the rise, and it was wonderful. You know, it, it really worked. And we started the big days for thousands. We started the, the 4th of July's and the, the races. I, I, I got this quilt. This is something. I think, Tammy, you, you uh, made this, right? This is a Christmas gift, my wife. I don't, how many of you guys know that throwing away T-shirts are like throwing away National Geographic magazines? It just shouldn't be done. I know they serve no purpose. I know that nobody wants to look at pygmies, but I, I'm just saying I wanted to have. So this, she made this for me uh, as a Christmas gift. By the way, I had so many T-shirts, I didn't notice that 50 of them had disappeared. But some of these, this is like, uh, oh, I got this from, from uh, Kenya or from Ethiopia, uh, a missions thing. This is, uh, that's a cream shirt. That doesn't count. That's a cream shirt. Freedom. How many see that? Freedom. Yeah, you know why we called it the Freedom Center? Because we were dumb enough to give it all away for free that year. Every hot dog. We got, we got Jesus. Remember this one? VBS. We got these big days. The 4th of July. That's a marathon shirt. Oh, this is an old one. How do you remember this one with the American flag on it for the 4th of July? If you own one of these, it's going to be worth money in heaven. Ministry Academy, I mean old stuff that's awesome, right? That's an old logo. This is one of my favorite ones here. This is the 4th of July shirt. It says free for all on it. And as I was walking around, I had people autograph it and just, just sign my shirt. It wasn't weird at all. Don't give me that look. Just, just touch me. It's fine. Everything's good, right? But what we did is we just, any place we could find people, we just went there and we talked about Jesus. Does this make sense? Those are the old days. Everybody say old days. They're good old days. More recently, we realized that some things had changed, we realized that, that the old days were good and that we can still do some of those things to great effect, but we also realized that people aren't spending as much time as they used to in the places where we were trying to meet them. How many of you guys know that when something's working, 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 and then it kind of plateaus, plateaus, and then it declines, 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 you have to make a decision about change. So we realized, and by the way, I didn't realize this, but the younger members of our staff, our, our children, their friends said, you know, if we started breaking into this online world, I'm like, it's not the real world. It's the online world. That's why they call it the online world, because it's not real. It's online. And I went through the same battle, probably people did, when Amy Simple McPherson bought a radio station in Los Angeles in 1920, because you can't get saved over the radio. People can't, minister, people can't be ministered to over the radio. Recordings of people speaking about Jesus can't work. And then the television people came, and that was another concern of mine because we have a great online virtual world. What will happen if there's a fall like it happened in the 80s? Everybody stayed home from church and watched their favorite preacher, their favorite soloist, some Irish tenor guy that sang something, right? And when those guys kind of went the way of the dodo, everybody that was following their favorite TV guy went the way of the dodo. I said, no, I, I, we are not going to have a virtual presence. We're going to be an, an in-person church. But how many of you guys know if you hear the same thing over and over and over again from people you respect, eventually you start listening to them. And my wife said, you need to listen to these guys. So we sat down, we had a meeting, and this is what happened. We started our online church. Can I tell you one of the things I'm most excited about? Don't judge me. Old people take a while. And those of us that are 20 years younger than those old people take a while too. 
Our online church is one of the most fantastic breakthroughs we've ever had as a ministry. What, what was in person to thousands, what used to happen on the 4th of July once a year, now happens every single Sunday. Thousands of people passing by gather and stop and listen to the gospel. But the other thing is, is that we have a church app. Oh, I hit it twice. We have a church app, and that's pretty shockingly effective. Down, I mean, how many downloads? Anybody know of the app? Anybody have any idea? All of our virtual guys are up in the studio. They're yelling, 97,000. We have interest groups. If you want to go, you know, carve pumpkins with John, there it is, man. Just, you say, what's the interest group? Why, why is that such a new thing? It's funny. It's not. It's actually old, but, it, but it's new, and this is why it's new. Instead of saying, come to a Bible study, people are like, I don't have questions about the Bible. I just, I have other needs in my life. We found out that everybody needs people. And so we started saying, let's go fishing. Let's get on a motorcycle. Let's, let's take a fall tour. I mean, you guys know that there are certain things that cause unity. Cider and donuts are two of those things that cause unity. Everybody, anybody here against? I am against cider. My, my grandson calls it apple spider. Apple spider. Right? I don't know of any other church that that's most prominent exterior architectural feature is a drive-in movie screen. Is there a cross? I, I think so. Is there a steeple? I'm, I'm pretty sure. Where is it? It's by that giant screen. We used to be the skateboard church. Now we're the drive-in church. What church do you go to? Uh, Freedom Center. Oh, where is that? It's behind the high school. Oh, the drive-in church? Yes, the drive-in church. I have no problem with that because we're reaching people where they are. We'd have never dreamed of having a drive-in movie theater until we weren't allowed to gather together. And this is what I'm trying to say. We need to have innovators. We need people that see winning the loss at any cost. It doesn't cost us our belief. So we can get them on, on the property on May the 4th by showing them a Star Wars movie and presenting the gospel to them. How many of you guys know why May the 4th is, is, is Star Wars Day? Anybody know? May the 4th be with you. You can always remember, right? Same thing. So we had like 500 people in their cars socially distanced with their windows up when we weren't allowed to leave our homes watching Star Wars because there's a group of people that will win the lost at any cost that doesn't cost us our beliefs. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me too. We have age-focused ministry. We hired somebody who evidently is green and stands in front of fighter jets. Marvin the Martian is back there ministering to your children with the plutonium P-38 space modulator, right? Notice how spaced they are. They've always been spaced, right? Pastor Lesson, they've always been spaced, but now they're like physically spaced, not just, not just spacey, right? Age-focused ministry. Why? Because we know that if we can get the gospel on a child, we don't have to try to remodel some sort of a man that's been lost for 40 years. Same thing with youth. And then lastly, we have these kingdom builders Sundays that are coming up, uh, what, in two weeks from today, right? Um, the, this gas and the van idea so that when the pandemic hit, we didn't have to come to you and say, hey, can you give us something so we can give it to them? We had money already set aside. And as people started to give that money, it just kind of replenished it and moved it into the next emergency. You may say, well, is this, is this working? Is this, is this online stuff working? Let me tell you a story. How many of you want to hear a story? I, I'm gonna, her, her name is Rachel. That's all I'm going to say. But in May, Rachel started watching the ministry online. Um, not a believer and, and not a part of church, really no background, no faith. But for some reason, she started watching it. And in the middle of May, Rachel gave her life to Jesus. She raised a hand emoji during our live stream and said, I've given my life to Christ. In the middle of a pandemic, when everybody's shutting everything down, how many guys know innovators just find a way to make it happen? We found a way. We made it happen. She raised her little hand emoji, 
little, you know, Mickey Mouse hand. She gave her life to Jesus, but we started following up with her. I can tell you that two weeks ago, she, she is now a member of Freedom Center Church. I can tell you that she has now joined the tech team because that's the team that led her to Jesus. So that's the team that she has now joined, and she's a part of the tech team. I can tell you that last Sunday, her and her husband were on vacation, and they sent my wife a picture of the, of the phone, an Apple product, on the dashboard. And it was playing the live stream video of last Sunday's service as they're driving down Route 66 because they wouldn't miss a Sunday because this is their church and she's only been in the building four times. It's working. That's what I'm saying. It's working. Stuff's happening. So um, you guys saw the story of the guy in Mississippi that's going to move up here. I'm sure he's watching right now. I'm not making fun of your accent, bro. I, I swear to you, I'm not. I never met you in person, but you look big. That's all I'm saying. So I'm, I'm simply saying this, that that person has stepped foot in this room one time, but this is their home church, and their family is making plans to move from Mississippi to Fenton, Michigan to be a part of what God's doing here. What I'm trying to tell you is this, 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 what we're doing recently is producing fruit like the stuff we used to do in the past, but if we kept doing this stuff in the past, how many of you guys know that in this town, if we've been dropping fake $20 bills for the last 25 years, people would let real $20 bills just lay on the ground? So you've got to change. You've got to evolve. You've got you to figure out a new way. You've got to kick in doors and get things going. So I, one of my favorite stories, you got time? I don't. But you'll hear it someday. One of my favorite. It's a great story. Sometime I'll tell you. That's just mad, isn't it? So, but th- that's a snapshot, guys, a little bit of, our, of our, our past and our present. But let's take a look at the future. Because as we speak vision, we should never be done dreaming. I, I just have to say that again. Um, I don't know how old I'm going to be when I dream my last dream, but I pray that I never dream my last dream because I'll always have a dream of an eternity with Jesus. I, I, I cannot help but look at empty fields and see full churches. I cannot help but look at empty buildings and imagine what could be inside of that empty building. I cannot look at empty men and empty women and not dream of what could happen if Jesus could, could build a throne inside of them. I can't. It's a wonderful gift, and it's a wonderful uh, curse, if you will, because I, when I go on vacation, I, I literally, when my son was young, we were walking through Manhattan. I said, how would you win this place to Jesus? You know what I thought about that? Because that's what I think about when I go places. How do we win this place to Jesus? I love Pastor J.D.'s answer. Remember, he's just a boy. But he said, well, I would get a plane, and I would put a big banner behind it that told everybody about Jesus. I'm like, well, now think about where you are. It's after 9-11. You're going to get a plane and fly really low over Manhattan but not for very long, you know? This is what we think about. This is where our hearts go. Um, let's just say this. Here's the future. We're going to pioneer again. And, and only if I could just put dot, 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 and again, dot, 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 and again, and again, and again. I don't, if we ever get done pioneering, I mean, you know, the, the world is moving at us at seven miles an hour, which means we've got to run pretty good just to keep up with it. We've got to run nine miles an hour to beat the world. And I have no intention of losing this race. We have no intention of losing this race. We're going to continue to pioneer new ways. And so because I've got this idea. One of the things that like, my wife will say sometimes, and now the staff has caught on to it too, they say, listen, I, I, I got this idea, but it's a crazy idea. Everybody leans in like it's E.F. Hutton getting ready to talk. It's a, it's a crazy idea. We love crazy ideas. What if, what if we built a drive-in movie screen on the outside of the building? We're like, that's nuts. Let's do it. Let's do it. King of Builders, pay for it. Let's go. Let's get it done, right? So we're going to pioneer again. And this is the word that keeps hitting me again and again and again as we look towards the future. And I, I, I wish I could put that into a sentence for you. I wish I could put that in, into a paragraph for you that made sense and tied the, the loose ends together. 
But this is what I totally believe, is that we are in a stage right now where doing what we're doing has the necessity of multiplication. There, there's a world around us that's benefiting from what we're doing here. How many of you guys know that there's a lot of other places that don't have what God's doing here? And I feel like God's just putting on my heart, it's time to multiply. It's time to have grandbabies and, and more grandbabies. And that's, that's, a, that's a physical thing, but that's also a, a spiritual thing. Like, there's other places. And I say, what, what, what other places? Give me a specific goal. Give me a specific town. Give me a zip code. Give me the leadership. Give me the vision. The vision is this. I believe that God's putting us in a season where we're going to multiply, where what we're doing here and how things go here, and, and not everything, but maybe just a portion of it, but God wants to move it out and around. I, I, I can see, uh, and I've been saying this for years, you say, you know, you talked about this last year and the year before. Sometimes everything that's in a man's heart doesn't come to pass in one year, right? But I can see this multiplication being the expression of family room campuses. I've been a part of helping plant three in the Ypsilanti area, three house churches, we call them, that have now grown to seven in the last year and a half. It just multiplied. It blew up. I helped a, a pioneer a, a ministry in Holland, Michigan with the Ordas over there, Alex and Nicole Orda. And for about two years, nobody came to their home. But every, every, they opened it up. They talked about it. He just sent me a picture. The room was full. They've just sent out their first missionary couple to go on the mission field. And it is growing. I'm just telling you, I don't, again, what are the specifics? When do we start? How's the funding? What's the leadership role? How are we going to train them? I don't really know. Matter of fact, aren't you glad that it isn't up to me? It's up to Dina. Hallelujah. My job is vision. Her job is to make those visions actionable. I, I appreciate all the prayers for me, by the way. Thank you so much. But if you pray for me and don't pray for my wife, nothing's ever going to happen. Family room campuses. I can also see satellite campuses. One of the unfortunate things that, again, if we're entrepreneurs, we look for opportunities. One of the unfortunate things is churches, they weren't ready with online ministry, online giving, uh, staying connected, building drive-in theaters, buying FM transmitters, and starting low-frequency stations to preach on ball fields. They're, they're in serious trouble and will probably, many of them, about 20 25%, they're guesstimating in the next year of churches, congregations that meet in buildings will no longer be sustainable. How many of you guys know that's very sad? Because many of them have 100-year histories in their community. They just, they just weren't ready for this. But let's, let's just do this. How many of you guys know that, that when someone's dying, that's very sad? Un, unless we can, we can mitigate that sadness by making them organ donors to keep other things alive. So we are looking for, and, and we are aware of multiple places right now that as they become available, we've already raised our hand and say, we'll take it. And, and that absence of amen is a little unnerving. But I want you to hear me. I believe there's people in this room right now that not in the distant future, but in the near future will not be in this room anymore. You'll be at your church, at your campus, at your family room. Because I think God wants to multiply what we've been enjoying and coming to to make us now being sent out. I got a crazy idea. What if we didn't go to church? What if we were the church? What, what, what if we didn't just enjoy coming here, but what if we enjoyed leaving here to go out and do these things? Um, beyond that, groups will always play the significant role. That's the, that's the thing that makes the discipleship happen. If you can lead a group, you can lead a church. I can't tell you the number of people. I feel like God's calling me to pastor a church, plant a church. I, I said, well, what are you doing right now? Well, we, we have a, a, a small group that meets in our home. Like, well, that's, that's a church. Well, no, no, there's only about, you know, 30 of us that meet there, and, you know, I teach, or my wife teaches, we have leadership in it, we receive offerings, we go on ministry trips, we take missions, but, like, buddy, you're not just pastoring a church, you're pastoring a healthy church. That's why you have 30 people there and not three, because you're doing the do's, you're, you're moving in the moves, you're, God's blessing this, like, you're, you are pastoring a church. I had one guy say, uh, my wife said, I'll never pastor a church. They had 45 people in their small group. 
She said, I will never be a pastor's wife. I said, I got news for you, baby. You is. Not only are you a pastor's church, you're, you're in about the 50th percentile of Assemblies of God churches in the nation. You've been a pastor's wife for five years. Congratulations, here's your diploma, right? And the last thing is this, and this may seem a little odd in the moment, but I, it's just burning in my heart. I think we need to get out of this country and into other places in the world because I think some of us are missionaries. We just don't know it yet. About 80% of people that have a long-term call to missions discovered their long-term call for missions in a short-term missions trip. And I, that will be of value as long as I, I can see the future. We're going to be going places, sweating, suffering, bleeding. Um, how many guys know that, that there's, there's various ways to know that you're a missionary, but if you can eat stuff and not get sick, if your heart longs to get on a plane and go away from people you love, if, if you don't mind hard work, if you love meeting new people, breaking language and cultural barriers, if, if when seeing a full altar full of people that don't speak English, giving their life to Christ, blesses you to the core, you don't belong in this room. You belong in a room somewhere on the other side of the planet. And you say, well, wait, I, you just called me and sent me. I, I get that. But I'm telling you, everybody I know that bleeds for somewhere else, the, the grace to be where you're not supposed to be evaporates in time. And your soul will evaporate with it. Your soul will evaporate with it. Some of you belong in Africa. Some of you belong in Mexico. Some of you belong in Haiti. Some of you belong to a continent that's not North America. And this may seem shocking to you, but if I'm casting vision, I'm going to cast it for the world, not just for 48430. So we have to have a heart for this, the missions. You say, but, but hey, that's great, but I'm not ready. I have such good news for you. You don't have to know how to get to where you're going because there's a path. Just because there's a vision to get somewhere doesn't mean there's not a path to get there. And, and uh, it's actually part of my job description. Uh, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Why? To equip his people for works of service. Why? So the body of Christ can be built up. We call this map our, our GPS. It's, it, it's something that we do and we've done now for years. We're coming back from a retreat in Gaylord in the van, and Phil France, one of our past children's pastors, said, you know, it's kind of like a GPS. I'm like, yeah, it is. He goes, no, no, it's kind of like a GPS. I'm like, I get it, Phil. He goes, no, no, it's, it's like, like love God Love people and love to serve. God, people, serve. GPS. I'm like, all right, I didn't get it, but I get it now, Phil. Love God, love people, love to serve. We believe that with three environments, the large gathering environment like the one you're in now, and a regular, consistent, committed to it, not missing because soccer's not more important. Family's in town. Family comes to church. Not uh, kid spends the night. Doesn't mean your kids get to stay home. It means the kids that spent the night come to church. A commitment to the house of God. A commitment. A consistency in that love God environment where the best of our musicians and the, the best of our gifts can be displayed, the best greeters, the best where you get to play a role, whether it's in uh, children's ministry or youth ministry or, or uh, music ministry, greeting ministry, driving a golf cart for Jesus, can I get a witness, right? And then the love people environment, the groups, getting into smaller groups so that I can honestly, I can only be honest. I can say, I heard what pastor said, but I don't get it. Or I heard what pastor said, and I completely disagree with it. I heard what pastor said, but I had another pastor, and he said this, and I, they don't, I don't get it. I, when your gifts become important in a small group, when all of a sudden you're the one answering questions from your life, then your life starts to make sense. When you can ask a question and not be embarrassed, to go, I don't, the, the book of, you know, uh, they, they, were, they went to Kayser Hurry, and they, they you know, they, I, don't, I can't pronounce the biblical words. I can't, I can't teach because I don't know how to pronounce Caesarea. It's okay. No one knows how to pronounce Caesarea or Caesarea or Dyer, whatever it is. It doesn't, no one knows. 
No one knows. And you'll learn that because God's going to give you wisdom that comes out in the group. Have you ever answered a question? And as you're answering it, there's a party that goes, huh, that's pretty good. I didn't know that. And then you realize you're the one talking? That happens in a small group in a way it can't happen in a large group. And then love to serve. Are you prepare the lesson? Are you prepare the casserole? Or you get on a plane with a couple simple tools with people you hardly know and you go to Cuba and you work on a church for a while? Or you start the ministry for the orphans and the widows, people that are hungry. That's what all happens. That's the GPS. That's what we've been doing for a long time now. You realize over half a century, 58 years, Fitness Emily God became the Freedom Center, became Freedom Center Church. Same, same vision, different names, different leaders, different seasons. That's the vision. We, we've been winning the loss at any cost. It doesn't cost us our beliefs. So let me just ask you one last question. That's not the last question, but let me ask you a question. What do you, what do you want? What do you want? I mean, you, you come here, we come here. I mean, last week we didn't have church because the week before we had five people that had tested positive for COVID, and you knew that, and you walked back in the room again this week. What do you want? What do you, what do you want? I, and I'm not saying you're risking your life by being here. If I learned anything in the last two weeks, is that Dina's protocols work because five sick people were here last week and we didn't have one person get sick because of it. So the social distancing being led to the stuff, the, the masks, the gloves, the biohazard suits, the golf carts. I mean, I, I thank God for her ability to see because we'd have been shut down a long time ago if, you know, I know it's been inconvenient to some, but what do you, what do you what, you're here. Why are you here? What do you want? And, and I just, where do you belong? I'll say this the right way. There's a part of me that has no other place to connect to but here with you. It doesn't make sense in any other dynamic. And, I, and if that's true of my life, I think it's true of your life as well. There's parts of you that don't make sense anywhere else except that place where you're teaching, Mary, you know, where you're, where you're serving, where you're, where you're guiding, where you're counseling where you're giving, where you're praying, where you're building, where you're tearing down. There's, there's parts of you that make no sense until God gets a hold of it and all of a sudden you go, oh, that's what that's for. What do you want? Because I'll tell you this, we need dreamers. We need prayers. We need believers. We need givers. We need leaders. We need innovators. We need doers. We need people that go, I, I make sense in one of those areas. You know, I pray, and I'm so mad because people don't pray as much as I pray. And I feel like, is everything okay? Like, I pray too much. It's like, no, no, if God gave you a ministry of prayer, you pray. You pray. I, it's funny. I'm a believer. I just, I see an empty field, and I know it's not impossible to put a church in the middle of that field. I know it's not impossible to reach that city that's so hard to reach. I just, I know it's not impossible to start a ministry academy or a youth ministry out of a small church or to take vacant buildings and be one of the, I just, I just see it. I, no one else sees it. They all think I'm crazy, but I'm just a believer. How many of you guys know that's a superpower from God, right? Innovators. Hey, Dad, the whole world's not going to walk inside of a building. We've got to start reaching outside of the online. No, I don't believe that, son. I, you know, my son Josh and I, we get along wonderfully, especially when I'm right. And there are times when I'm just not. He's the one that said, online, online, online. Dina, online, online, online. JD's like, hey, let's go get something to eat. <laughs> you want to play? <laughs> you know? um, but man, the innovators, I, I cannot tell you how important you are to where we're going to winning the loss at any cost, right? And the doers. 
I, I, I'm grateful for the prayers. I'm grateful for the givers. I'm grateful for the innovators. But somebody's got to show up, roll up their sleeves, and just get her done, right? And we all serve a purpose. We need people whose hearts break for people who don't know Jesus yet. We need them. If there's anything we need, because if our hearts are broken, we'll find a way. I just say this. We need you. Now, I'm not saying every ministry gift belongs in the ministry expressions of this church. But I know that you belong somewhere expressing ministry on earth. I do. And maybe it's by, can I just, Les, can I share your car praying story? I love this. I'm, I'm, we're hanging out eating chicken the other day, and it just kind of, he just throws it out there. Hey, every car I've sold so far except for one, before they left, I prayed with them. I said, you do what? He goes, yeah, I prayed with them. Like, no kidding. What did you do? He said, well, I just, I said, are they believers? He goes, I don't know. Do you have to be a believer to let me pray for you? I said, no, good point. Okay. He said, I give them the keys, and I say, can I pray with you? Before you take off in your new car, can I pray with you? They bow their heads. He says, God, I pray you bless this car. May it serve this family well. May it go miles and miles and miles farther than the warranty says. May, may, they, may there be great conversations and breakthroughs and blessings that happen inside this vehicle. Bless this family with this car today and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. And then he gives them the keys and hugs them. How many of you know that that's not the usual service you get from a car dealership? What is that? That's ministry as an expression. How many of you know that living and life need to be the same thing? We, we, just who we are. So we need you. Whether it's here, there, or in the air, we, we need you. And so the last thing is this. How can I know the role I'm supposed to play in the vision of my own life and the vision of Freedom Center Church? How do I know? I'm so glad you asked that question because next week that's what we're going to do. You may have seen it before, but we're going to see it again for the first time next week. We're going to draw three circles. We're going to ask a few questions about, about our own hearts, our own souls. And my goal is by the time we leave here, you will go from the thought of being engaged to actually being engaged and accomplishing the vision of this church, accomplishing the vision that God has for your life, accomplishing the vision of empty fields and empty people and empty storefronts becoming things that are thriving for the kingdom of God. Just stand your feet all over this room. Nobody leave. Just stand if you would, please, because I, I just want to share this last thought. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Father, I pray that in 90 seconds you'll undo the work of the devil that took 90 generations. God has a vision for you. Let me say that again. God has a vision for you. God has a dream for you. What you'll do, where you'll go, who you'll touch. But God also has a dream of you. That you walk in the garden in the cool of the day with you that wherever you go to do, it would be a father-son project. It would be a daddy-daughter dance. It would be based upon a relationship for which Jesus was sent to die and rise from the dead. God has a dream for you, but never miss the fact that God has a dream of you. You. Today there's a distance between your heart and his you make God's dream of you come to pass by simply saying yes to his proposal of a covenant relationship. Yes to his mercy being poured out on you so that you're no longer what you do, but you are what he's done for you. Yes to walking in the cool of the day. Yes to the assignments he brings your way, not as a, not as a burden, but as a, a blessing, as a gift. Will you look at life through his lens, through his eyes, through his heart? Will you look at people no longer as the problem, 
Would you look to the solutions of mankind's problems? Would you be his extension of his way, his truth, his life? Will you exchange all your yesterdays for an eternity that is waiting for you and you say yes? Wherever you are right now, if you're online, you're watching this on the app two weeks from now, two years from now, you're in this room, have you said yes to his proposal, not, not just to take you to heaven, but to bring heaven to earth through you? Have you said yes to his dream for your life? And have you said yes to his dream of you being his? Right now, if you need to say yes, just do it. Your own lips, your own time right here. Just tell him yes. Some of you don't even know what he's asking yet. It's probably easier to say yes now before you understand everything he's asking for. But it's a beginning. Yes, 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 yes. Father, I pray you bless us and keep us and you make your face to shine on us. I pray you lift up your countenance all over us, God, and you give us peace. I pray for the vision that once resided in the heart of F.E. Burke and his wife Thelma and their kids now resides in my heart and my wife and our kids. May it reside, God, as long as there's people in this community. May this vision remain to win the lost at any cost that doesn't, doesn't go beyond where we should go. It doesn't cost us our beliefs. Bless us all to be a part of this, this generation, this season's expression of that vision in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. I have no idea how you're getting out of here. I, Dina said something, but I was thinking about something else. So I assume people that know the direction will lead them in the direction. Is that right? This, that section is going out this way towards Chris. This section is going out that way. So God bless you. Live long and prosper. Are they being let out row by row, baby? Okay, row by row. So ushers will usher you out row by row. And they should be doing that now, I believe. They are doing it now. All right, God bless you. When they get to you, you're dismissed.